0: You're listening to Conviction, The Craig Gouze Story, a three-ring circus production. In the previous episode, Craig had been rocked by the revelations that his work with informant Pete was somehow linked to a highly secretive operation being carried out three floors above him to uncover and arrest corrupt police, many who were his colleagues. At this stage, his knowledge of the work being undertaken on Level 5 at the Crimes Commission was sketchy. He wasn't able to draw any firm conclusions, so he brought his attention back to the task at hand. To enact the sting that was going to finally bring down Daryl, the security guard, and possibly many of his associates.
1: So we moved on to stage three with uh, Daryl and Pete, and our idea now was, okay, let's make it a little bit more realistic. Let's uh, see if he can supply us with the guns. So we had to do another extension to our control op, which was continuing. It was obviously this time to introduce an undercover operative. So even though we're undercover, we're not trained to go in and and start to work with these guys. So we had to get one of our UCs, we call them. Now, these guys do infiltrate. They do mix with uh, the crooks. They work with them to a point. So, yeah, we, we organised one and, and debriefed him on it. We then uh, organised to buy guns, and again, that's another serious matter like we did before. We organised in the control lot that we are going to buy some more drugs, and it was just a matter of then Pete to organise it with Daryl, which he did talked code over the phone, what he needed, said he'd be up the following week with his mate, they were going to do a recce of the club, come back to Sydney, then they'd come back up on a certain day that they felt secure and commit the offence.
0: A UC or undercover operative is a whole other level of police work. Remember, Craig was a covert operative, which meant he only had to use disguises and pseudonyms to avoid detection. The UCs, well, these women and men had to confront and deal with hardened criminals face-to-face. They had to work as one and often live with them. Their job was 24-7 and some assignments could last for years. Here Craig describes their UC, who we will call Max.
1: We had to have Pete obviously meet Max. They go, uh, that was our informant. It's not his real name, of course. It's similar to what we have. That's all I knew him as. He gave me no other name but Max. We met him beforehand and then introduced him to, to Pete. We went through the whole thing. You know, you've got to have a plan with some of these things. You've got to have contingency plans, and you've got to stick to them. Obviously, if something does happen, at least we've got a, uh, a cop in there now that can handle things as well. Max was uh, probably looked like a bike in a way. He was in his 40s, bald head, large build, big, deep voice, similar dress as a truckie, I suppose. He had a singlet on, had a tattoo in his arm, fairly rough, he uh, fit... Fit the bill perfect, and that's how we picked them.
0: Okay, we now had Max and Pete on the same page. It was time to snare Daryl.
1: So it was a matter of us now. Pete had made the phone call, everything was ready to go. It was just a matter of us picking a date. Heading it back up to Coffs Harbour with both our undercover operative and Pete, which we did. Met up at uh, Nambucca Heads, which is probably, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes from Coffs Harbour. Got them to uh, go into a hotel room, which we got our undercover operative to book. We booked again two rooms. We had some police in next door just in case there was any strife. Again, we're believing that Daryl's going to buy guns from the bikies, same as the drugs. We didn't worry about tracking this, we didn't want to endanger anything uh, in Coffs Harbour with our UC and our informant, so we were happy with just getting what we could. And that was the same thing, listening device, body wires, cameras, and sure enough, to a T, and being as reliable as he was in the first two stages, Daryl turned up with all the gear. This time he had two ounces from memory of uh, speed. He had uh, two rifles, I think one was a sawn-off sh- shotgun, and another gun I can't remember. Our UC went through everything. One particular point that was said at the time, our UC said to Darrell, oh, mate, I hope uh, you won't lose your balls if we have to use one of these guns on someone. And Darrell replied, it doesn't worry me if you kill anyone. And that was probably the worst thing you could say. And uh, that'll come out later.
0: Max and Pete were playing their roles to a T. Now they have Darrell so confident in their authenticity that he is writing his own prison sentence with every word.
1: So going after about half an hour, it might have even been less than that, the UC wrapped it all up and and the job was done. We had uh, now our guns, our drugs, the conspiracy to an armed rob, everything was set to go. Uh, Both our informant Pete and the UC had done really well with the amount of evidence and especially the question that our UC asked about killing people or using the gun. That just hit home really well. All we had to do now was uh, set something up for a great sting.
0: The next part was probably the most simple – An anti-climax, if you will, a simple meet and arrest of Darrell. although nothing is ever simple.
1: We had a few more uh, staff in now who were coming into our section and we had to organise this sting and that was to uh, go up. We didn't need Pete and we didn't need our UC. Everything had been done. We just had to organise really to uh, get him somewhere and to arrest him. Our best plan was to get Pete to say, look, we're gonna come back up, we're gonna do the armed robbery this week. We wouldn't mind some drugs before we do it. Any chance you could meet us and we'll get some drugs off you before and we'll make sure that um, you're not working when everything happens, blah, 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 all the rest of it. And that's what we did, Organise it. Our meeting point uh, was going to be on a certain day in the McDonald's car park. It was mid morning, probably around 10 o'clock, I think we'd organised to, to meet him. He thought he was gonna come down and meet both Max and Pete in the car park, give them the drugs, and then they'd go on their merry way and, and do the robbery during that week. He'd been uh, told he wouldn't be there, so he wouldn't know, he'd only probably hear about it, and that was it. Little did he know that wasn't gonna happen. Uh, we were all set up. I was running the job at that time. I had an old ute from memory on the day. I'd parked myself in the car park before he got there. We had uh, two other operators in the, the car park, and we had two of our guys dress up as detectives. In their normal gear as though they you know were at work being d's they were actually in mcdonald's with a coffee uh, they had a uh, radio with a earpiece in and sure enough to cue this guy i must give him his uh, due he, he was always on time he rolled up in his normal car parked in the middle of the car park sort of away from most people which was good we didn't suspect he'd have a gun or anything like that i was probably about 30 meters away I just had some McDonald's on the front of the bonnet as I was just pulled in, travelling and uh, was eating it. And I was just waiting for the right time. We just sort of let him sit there for a minute. And lo and behold, all I heard from behind was, Hey, Craig! I looked behind, and here's one of my wife's cousins who lived probably about 200 kilometres away, was on holidays and travelling up the coast. And I said, like, Pete, how are you doing? Come on over. Anyway, I said to him, Mate, uh, I'm working at the moment. Just stay here talking to me. You're a good cover. I said, uh, and something's just about to happen. Anyway, I got on the radio and said, all right, let's all go. Let's go. And our two detectives come out. It was very easy. Walked straight over to Darrell. He was uh, standing at the back of his car and obviously told him he's under arrest. Gave him the information and uh, said, we know you've got drugs on you. Before we start searching the car, where is it? And lifted the petrol cap and he had the ounce shoved in the petrol cap of his car, he was handcuffed and taken back to the police station where he was charged. He was charged with uh, conspiring to commit an armed robbery, supplying firearms, and there was a number of the the drug charges, including the one on the day, supplying drugs. Yeah, so once the arrest happened, we obviously informed all the bosses they were pretty happy that everything had gone down and uh, there was no incident and nothing had happened that was untoward, so everything went really smoothly. Darrell was taken back to the police station. He uh, never saw us. He obviously just thought it was the two detectives there and that was it. There was no need for him to know we were even there. So we didn't go anywhere near the police station. There was no need for any local police to know we were there either. All they knew was uh, this guy was getting charged and uh, there was two detectives from Sydney who were doing it.
0: The job was done. Months of meticulous work and planning had paid off. However, when it came to sentencing, it was Daryl himself who had supplied one of the more damaging pieces of evidence.
1: For a clean skin, he was uh, given probably one of the harshest sentences that I've seen. From memory, it was about 14 years and it sort of all went down to that one sentence he said where he said he didn't care about if someone was killed. Uh, That played on it very heavily and the judge crucified him on that.
0: With the Coffs Harbour investigation wrapped up, Craig and his partner Happy head back to the office in Sydney to complete the paperwork and plan their next mission with Pete.
1: Yeah, so we end up back in uh, Sydney and back onto this investigation. As I said, we've sort of been dragged into this new investigation on Level 5. Anyway, the bosses tell us that's the end of us for this investigation. we are being taken off it and two other guys are going to be put on it from our unit that we're needed elsewhere. And both Happy and I were not happy. We actually really enjoyed what we're doing and we thought we're making really good progress.
0: For regular listeners of this podcast, you will have heard Craig talking about his discontent with his current role in the police force. His covert work was stressful, it took a toll on him and his young family, and it had continued long after his contract had elapsed. There was promise of a reward in the form of promotion of a stress-free desk job, some recognition and some time to take a breather. This wasn't materialising, and his recent trip to Level 5 and the realisation that everything was heading towards an investigation of some of his closest colleagues weighed heavily on his mind. However, this last job had been extremely fulfilling and he had momentarily put those feelings to one side. Things were about to take a dark change.
1: For me, and Happy, we were put into this other section and... uh As I said, we weren't that happy about it after leaving something that we really liked doing. And I soon learnt the connection. So Pete, back in 94, was arrested for the armed robbery and kidnapping and it was by a group of detectives who were on the north side. One of those detectives during this time had become an informant. He'd been corrupt over a 20-odd year period and for some reason was spooked and thought he he might go to jail and came in to the commission apparently and told all. We hadn't been told about this privy. We had sort of been filled in on certain things, but the guessing was when we took on Pete and knew his history that it might link, and it did. They had verbaled uh, Pete. That was part of that. There was the old corruption, but uh, this detective was still working, and he was still corrupt, and he was working with new corrupt police who weren't that old, and uh, we were put in charge with running him in the new corruption matters. The only problem for me is I knew everyone. They are all guys that I'd work with, guys that I liked, people that I trusted, uh, it became quite hard. I'd already put a report in some months prior with the amount of hours we'd been working and the stress, i am probably been at the commission now for four years, well and truly over my three year tenure, probably longer actually. I put a report in saying that my health was bad, I'd been vomiting at work, I would uh, rashes that had appeared under my chin that were uh, irritating which could have been a sign of the sh- first part of shingles. Uh, but unfortunately nothing happened with that report. They said, uh, we need you. You're now in charge of this and we want you to keep going. Which I wasn't happy about, so I actually started looking for uh, an out. I started applying for any job that I could get out while I'm there. Uh, it was the last place I really wanted to be. And that was the last thing I wanted to do was investigate people that I were close to. They knew my family. Uh, They knew me very well, I'd played sport with a lot of them Uh, and even uh, some of the previous jobs just before joining I was in a task force with two of them and unfortunately I was good mates with some of them, really good mates. Anyway, I had to uh, continue working and um, that's what I did.
0: Craig did continue on this investigation but this is where we will leave this story. The resulting years are too painful and in reality too dangerous to discuss We hope you've enjoyed the four series and 25 episodes of this podcast as much as we have bringing it to you. Will there be a series five? At this stage, for reasons you may have guessed, no. But as Craig says, never say never. My name is Kim Hart, and it's been a privilege to be on this journey with Craig and all of you. From me, it's goodbye. But let's have Craig say the final words.
1: This would have been a lot happened. There was a lot of good things happened but uh, since that time there's a lot of crap that's happened as well. Uh, But you can't go back and whinge about things. As I keep saying you just got to keep pushing forward. In recent times I suppose you know crappier things have happened as well. I'd been diagnosed uh, similar to my daughter with a, a rare cancer that appeared in my right shoulder as well or in my armpit which I'm still being treated for. And part of the reason why I'm doing this podcast was at the time when I was approached by the guys from uh, Three Ring Circus it was my health. My two youngest kids never really knew what I did. They were born after all the incident. They never knew their sister. So I thought, why not do a podcast and just let them know what has gone on and what we did, not only for me, it was for their mother as well and what they, uh, she put up with through the stages of Kylie and, and Jessica and also putting up with me, with my work commitments. Everything that's been said here might not be 100% accurate, but I'm sure it's about 95%. As I said, I've gone from my memory alone and I've tried to give as uh, accurate as I can. I'm not going to go at the moment into the uh, police corruption job that virtually ruined my career or didn't ruin my career. It saw the end of me, but I'm going to stay uh, focused on what good I did do and what good we did do as a unit. And uh, people might ask, is there more to the story? Of course, there's more to the story, but for now, that's it.